Hey, Corey, have you heard about Magic Mind? You know, I have heard about Magic Mind. All right, I'm gonna put you on the spot. What'd you hear? You know, I heard uh, I heard it'll give you the energy you need in this spooky season that we're in right now. If you're listening to this podcast, you're a spooky person. October's probably your favorite month. You're probably out there. You're probably visiting pumpkin patches and haunts. And you got you got to get your costume together. And like, there's so much to do in October. And there's just not enough time in the day. So you need a little energy. And you got that cup of coffee. And that's like kind of working. But we got a little fix for you. It's called Magic Mind. Magic Mind is uh, this little health shot. It's got nootropics and matcha and vitamins and all those, you know, it's a little potion. It's a little potion. Let's look at it that way. It's a little spooky <laughs> potion for your spooky season. Uh, and it's been great. They sent us some samples and I liked it so much. I got some more samples with my money. So they're not samples at all. I just bought it, you know. Uh, it's been great. I've been enjoying Magic he Mind. purchased and it too. and endorsed it with his own money and if you're interested in it i recommend checking it out just go to magicmind.com and and get your order today i think it's great and Corey yeah, thinks so pretty, too yeah it's pretty good stuff you just like pop it in your little drink you drink and uh it gives you it gives you sustainable energy more Ain't sustainable that than that like caffeine crash that you get from your pumpkin spice latte that really is the truth like i don't feel like i i, I don't get the crash um, which I enjoy. So anyway, Magic Mind. Go to magicmind.com, check them out. And uh, yeah, tell them we sent you. What's that discount code, Brian? It's just happy harvest, all one word, lowercase. So throw that in and uh, get a little discount. So check it out. We like it. Magic Mind likes us. We like everything, especially the spooky season. Woo! <laughs> Look out, something is going to get you tonight Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight Welcome to the Happy Harvest Horror Show Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Brian. And this is the Happy Harvest Horror Show, where we get together and talk about our favorite spooky things in the spookiest time of year. And this week, we have a guest joining us from another podcast, a friend podcast. Actually, the podcast that started this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So for all of you listeners out there that uh, came to Happy Harvest Horror Show from the Art History Babes, you're, you're in for a real treat today. Because we are joined by the wonderful, the lovely, the brilliant Jennifer Gutierrez, everybody. <laughs> uh, hi, it's Jen. It's Jen. Remember me? <laughs> All-star <Jen>. week. <laughs> well, welcome, Jen. Uh, this is the Happy Harvest Horror Show. You know the drill. We like to talk about our favorite spooky stuff. And I'm excited to hear how spooky... Your your last you were on an episode with us right for haunted paintings we did that a while ago like years ago right that was years ago I think that um yeah Corey I think you were living in your little spooky cottage yeah yeah it was literally years ago so how spooky have the years been (laughs) oh Brian they've been spooky (laughs) let me tell you with the whole you know twenty twenties and. Let's see. I'm firmly in my mid-30s now, and that's 
just a whole, just kind of a whole host of spooky stuff. Sure does. Spooky changes. I have like a, a real like big girl job now and they keep asking me to do stuff that I, I just don't even know what the words are, the stuff <laughs> that they want me to do. And I'm like, sure. And uh, every day I leave that place. I'm like, boy, I hope I don't screw this up. <laughs> So it's spooky. <laughs> I'm spooked. It's pretty spooky. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty spooky. I I've been agree. Spooked. And that mid thirties, that's real too. I Ooh. love her back. I recently, I think I, I don't know, I've said it on the podcast, but I went to a, the Postal Service concert here in New York. You went, you saw the Postal Service. I saw Postal Service. It was the twentieth oh. anniversary of the album, which was like, oh Jesus, twenty years. Uh, and it was very funny because it was um, it was a dual concert between Postal Service and Death Cab for Cutie for mm-hmm. their uh, transatlanticism, uh, that long word of an album. Um, <laughs> and it was funny because it, we, when Death Cab played, everybody, this whole millennial mid-30s audience, we all sat down and listened. We all rose like it was mass, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, real slow, but we just kind of danced. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's feet hurt. Right. Like 20 years, man. It's been a minute. I'm super jealous. You got to hit that tour. I really wanted, I really wanted to check that out. Like death cabin, postal service. Like, Oh God, I was such an annoying, like teenager in like the early 2000s like i did all the hipster shit and death cab and postal service was right up there with fucking garden state and like (laughs) it was like my whole personality right there (laughs) yep we had we had a soundtrack a literal soundtrack to it all it was red but uh how spooky was your week what are you up to as my week. I had some, I had some, you've heard of Christmas magic. I had some, I think, autumnal magic this week. Ooh. Um, yeah. On two days ago now, Tuesday was just like a really magical day. Uh, went down to Denver, went on a little spirit Halloween date, which is like, you know, a, a great start to any day um, to kind of finish figuring out my Halloween costume and stuff. Uh, and then that night I got to see Hosier at Red Rocks, which like, he's just, you know, he's just like a magical Irish witch. And so like the whole vibe felt very, I don't know. It just felt, I was, it was just like the perfect setting, like very mystical and magical. And, uh, I've been waiting to see him live for a very, very, very long time. So, it, yeah, it was just, it was a very special night. It was a very special October day. That was pretty rad. And then also, I wanted to bring this up, too. While I, I was just in Chicago, and while I was in Chicago, I went to a couple of, like, occult and, like, witch shops um, that were really dope. And this one occult bookstore I went to, I got this book on horror and the occult. Oh, yeah. I want that. Yeah, you, yeah. You just send that over here. <laughs> to send it right over i've been reading it's it's basically a uh collection of um just different classic stories there's like stuff by like alistair crowley like you know all the hits um but like also the guy who put it together you know has like a big intro and kind of writes in between the stories and i just like love his whole vibe like he's super like he uses really flowery language and he's super melodramatic and he goes on a whole like three page rant about like 
the inherent horror of growing up in the Midwest. <laughs> I gotta get this. Oh book, dude. yeah, <laughs> and it just like it hits so hard, dude. It hits so hard. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's been really fun. Um. Oh, also, I recently went to uh Brian and I's favorite place in the world, Vala's Pumpkin Patch. We Amen. talked about it. We did a whole episode on pumpkin patches. If uh, if you want to know more, check that out. But um, just the most magical place in the world happens to be outside Omaha, Nebraska in the fall. So it's a beautiful Love place. That. I'm going there uh, two days. I'm on my way. I'm so excited for you. It, it's you're right. It has gotten so big. Like it, that place does not stop. You just like you'll just be you'll think you saw it all and then you'll like cross a bridge and there's like oh here's here's the whole cider house and here's like you know like there's just like so much it is it is an autumnal wonderland it's heaven place so yeah if you're if you're in or around nebraska in autumn vala's pumpkin patch can't recommend it enough honestly love it love it well i'm excited to go a couple days uh, all around our spooky week out. Uh, this last week was New York Comic Con, which was fantastic. It was super fun. I got to see John Carpenter. Uh, oh, cool! Which That's so rad. In two different like situations. One, uh, his wife Sandy King has a comic line called Storm King Comics, and I always go to their booth and every year pick up a comic signed by him because it's very easy for her to have those signed by John Carpenter. And so I was just always like my goodie bag every year this year, he was just standing there and I was nearby and got very socially awkward and didn't know how to deal. But uh, then later on, I got to see a Q and a with him in the same situation. Like didn't know how to deal like this dude. My God, what a dude. I also met the illustrator of uh, all the goosebumps covers, which was also oh. surreal. I told oh. him like, I don't dude, you made me, I don't know how to, <laughs> this is a strange interaction like all those goosebump books like really formed what i'm into if i met the illustrator of the goosebumps covers i would bring up the the fried egg one specifically Mm -hmm. remember that cover oh yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny because i was wearing a t-shirt too, a goosebumps t-shirt just by happenstance um and just felt like it was like the spider-man meme pointing like ah you (laughs) you did this Anyway, uh, Comic-Con was super fun. Uh, it was a big a big blast. And I also, Happy Harvest Horror Show was also at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. We uh, uh, got some presents there, got to see some movies, got to see a movie called Kill Your Lover, which was wild. Uh, it was this nice. like kind of metaphor on a relationship that just gets really toxic and it comes out in like body horror, nasty, like, like plague that corrupts the, each other as they fight more and more and get more toxic as the relationship is falling apart um it was gross but cool big fan so that was cool brooklyn horror fest that was a big fan you've been, you've been out here brian you've been like hitting all the listen i'll tell you what i'm tired this year <laughs> I, w- I was supposed to go on a budget and and there's plenty of things to do on a budget and i went too hard um <laughs> too hard. you have regrets it sounds like you have regrets i don't have regrets but i don't sleep well <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there was one other thing I did want to bring up because I literally just saw it today and I'm I'm very excited about it. And I don't part of me just wants to apply just for funsies and see what happens. Um, there's a I don't even remember what university it is, but a university in the UK that is now offering a master's degree in like history of occult 
shit. Like history of occult and studies and magic. Yeah, I'll sign up. Yeah. <laughs> we get an that honorary so degree. Cool. I feel like that's just you have you have to. I know, right? And I'm like, like <clears throat> if I can get funding, like let's go. Like why not? Why not? Yeah. Literally, yeah. why not at this point? Like take a like, crazy chance. Yeah. I don't know. It looks dope though. I like read two articles about it. There's a New York Times article and a um I don't remember what the other one was, but it it seems like a a pretty cool program that they're trying to put together that like focuses on yeah, just the history of the occult, magic, folklore, like a lot of things that have been pretty traditionally ignored by academia. And I think I don't know, I think it could be really cool. So anyone out there listening who might be interested in that, check it out. Oh yeah. We've had some real spooky weeks, years even. <laughs> years. Uh, and the spooks continue. We also have a book club. Happy Harvest Horror Show's book club is super fun and meets at the end of every month. And if you'd like to join us, gosh, it's so darn easy. You just go to our Instagram, Happy Harvest Horror Show, and on our link tree, you can support us there. And then send us an email at happyharvesthorrorshow at gmail.com and say, hey, I'm one of your supporters and I want to get in there. Uh, and we'll we'll let you in. That's and it. we'll let you in. Just go, let me in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you won't have to wait long. We'll let you in. Um, <laughs> yeah. So check that out. If you love reading horror books, I sure do. And that's it. That's it. I'm excited to talk about the topic today. We have Jen on and we're going to dive into some, some chill, wholesome content. <laughs> we're going to talk yeah. about Hellraiser today, <laughs> but we'll take one quick little break and then we'll dive right in. So. I love Hellraiser. What about you guys? <laughs> <laughs> I also love Hellraiser. Corey? Yeah. Well, wait, let's okay, let's start with what's our like uh what's our connection to Hellraiser? How much Hellraiser? Because there's a lot of Hellraiser. There's eleven films and two books. What's our Hellraiser fandom? Okay. Well, I saw Hellraiser 2 first. Oh, and, interesting. And which I believe to be not just not, that's not like my great film uh auteur's <laughs> opinion uh, i think it's the best film in the whole series and i saw it first and i was like a teenager and the hellraiser hellraiser 2 and the closer by nine inch nails music video awakened like some really weird parts of myself at a <laughs> okay. at a crucial age where I was like, oh, oh, kind of weird. I like, do I like this? I'm scared, but like, you can't put this back in the box. It's yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel something very similar about Closer by Nine Inch Nails. Like, like, unsurprisingly, we have that connection. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like we had to have drunkenly watched that music video when we were living together, right? Like <laughs> several times, like a lot of times. <laughs> several and, times. And freak on a leash. And, yeah, freak out. We just come home from the bars, Fre- put freak on a leash on. We'd Closer. also Closer. We'd inevitably end up watching Creed at Woodstock 99. Every time. <laughs> And our roommate Taylor's like on the other side of the wall, just in his bed, like, oh, <laughs> these girls listening to Creed at two in the morning. My favorite was the time we tried to invite our Uber driver in to like watch <laughs> videos. <laughs> we were like, come hang out. He was like, no. 
<laughs> but anyways, so I have a very similar, I think, connection to the Nine Inch Nails video, but I'm pretty new to Hellraiser. It is, it is, I don't, I mean, it hasn't evaded me. It's, it's actually, you know, like I've known pop culture references to it. Like I've known things about it for a long time. But yeah, I just never sat down and watched the movie mm-hmm. until until we were like, let's do this episode. And I was like, all right, let's, let's watch oh, yeah. this movie. So you've seen the first one. So that's what, yes. that's your yes. exposure. All right. Yes. And I've seen, I think, one through four. I've seen the first one a bunch of times. Uh, and the remake or the reboot, the one that was on Hulu. If I had more time, I was going to watch the reboot. Um, I like that- the reboot a lot. I thought it was really, really cool. Maybe I'll watch it after this, but yeah. Oh, I have so much to say about it. About the reboot? Yeah, about yeah, about all of it. But yeah, I'm so excited. (laughs) I do, and I've also read the Hellbound Heart. I have that little novella. I I have not read read it, and I I even suggested it to Corey a while back for your book club because I was like, I could I could do a book club with y'all for that because I have been meaning to read it. Yeah, I mean, it was a quick read. It's like 150 pages. Um, nice. Clive wrote and directed the movie, too. So it, the novella and the movie, they're very, like, one-to-one. Uh, it's very similar. Maybe um, we should. Yeah, like, I know, I think we have plans for November, but, like, yeah, maybe a, a soon-to-be book club. We could do that one. You already read it, Brian. So you won't even have to worry about book the, reading the book that month. <laughs> easy. easy. That would easy. be fun. And then i give me and Jenna an excuse to read it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, future book club, keep an eye out. Get your, if you haven't been a part of it, uh, get your checkbook ready and join us. And uh... <laughs> We only accept checks and money order. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Western Union only. We're a true <laughs> 80s loving podcast. And <laughs> um, All right. Well, well, let's, yeah, let's like dive into the stuff. I feel like you guys got some like interesting things to say well yeah i think we could start i mean we all have knowledge of the first one and and cory what was like your what was your experience watching the first hellraiser uh, it was a good time like it's it's got some great 80s gore the the monsters the cenobites are just rad and they're also like all over the place i love it like it's just like yeah like, just go crazy with monsters and then yeah it's like super sexy too so it's just like <laughs> uh, yeah that's yeah. a horny movie that is <laughs> like, literally like first 15 minutes i was like okay <laughs> this is a horny movie for sure yeah, you know, yeah. uh, a lot of i found a lot of it to be to be quite appealing um and yeah it's definitely got just 80s horror charm like all over the place you know like <laughs> Like is is yeah, good vibes, very fun, uh very fun visually. Yeah, great practical effects. My yep. fave my fave. Yep. Big fan. Yeah, I think that's uh we don't need to jump around, but I think that was the 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 first thing I had an, a thing with when I first saw the reboot of the Cenobites and the new designs of the Cenobites mm-hmm. was the eighties ones, they're so wet. They're so like icky, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, nah. Whereas the new ones and the new ones are like, they're more, they feel a little more fake, a little more plasticky. They Uh, clean them up a bit. They clean them up a bit, (laughs) which uh, I did some research on like the the concept designer and what the the direction it went with. And I'm like, okay, I see it. But immediately, like there's something like really simple about the original Cenobites. Like, oh yeah, that one's, that's why that hurts. And that's why, you know, like that's why 
uh, that one's having a bummer time. You know, <laughs> the new ones, there's too much going on at a glance. I can't really take it in. Um, yeah, they went a little like Baroque with the newest uh, iteration of uh, the Hulu uh, Hellraiser. I personally didn't like that they cleaned them up so much. Just yeah. like I because, you know, something that I definitely want to talk about in this episode is just like the fact that uh, Clive Barker was active in the SM scene when he was writing um the hellbound heart and then especially with like directing the first hellraiser um and so the kind of cleaning up of the leather aspect of the cenobites i thought was a little bit i don't know it's like the you know it's the people who are screaming no kinked pride it's like come yeah. on <laughs> don't <Yeah>. clean up <laughs> my my leather cenobites what are you doing <laughs> Well, that's what I read, which which made me kind of come around a little bit because I had a similar thing about it. And then what I read was like, because they have to rethink things for a new age and a new new level of like desensitization and whatever, and a new level of like fashion, fashion changes from then to now. And so now for these new iterations of the Cenobites that the skin turned out to be the leather, like that was the fat. So like they weren't, there was no extra thing. They like... It looked plasticky because all the skin was the clothing, and then and like for the new pinhead, her like the the leg skin was just like draped down like a like a like a skirt, you know that that it was part of the the outfit. So whatever the skin would be, that was in place of the leather. And so like hearing that and looking at concept art, I was like, all right, I see where you're going. I didn't receive that the first time I watched it, but I see what you're doing. I guess yeah. wearing skin is kind of kinky. <laughs> yeah. Well, extreme body modification you know yeah <laughs> the, the ultimate body mod yeah for real for real but yeah stuff yeah the first hellraiser i thought was actually somewhat i guess when you watch hellraiser 2 you're like oh well the first one's really subdued <laughs> yeah oh yeah it really is yeah um but like the the whole ah god just like Frank sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hate Frank. He's a, <laughs> just a shitty dude. Uh, yeah, and Frank, Frank's yeah. doing some rough stuff. <laughs> right. Frank, and for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen Hellraiser, first, we, I highly encourage go seeing Hellraiser. We're just going to talk a lot about Hellraiser and a lot of spoilers and everything. But like, just to give some context where Frank is, we Hellraiser starts with this dude named Frank that is so horny. He he needs, he needs more horniest. than this earth can give him. Uh, and so he goes to Morocco and finds this puzzle box um, that, uh, that can open up some some new kinks. Um, and he solves it, and and uh, then the Cenobites come, and the Cenobites are uh, these hell priests from this hell dimension of the Order of the Gash, uh, which mm-hmm. I learned from the book, um, mm-hmm. um, that come and have a very different definition of what pleasure is. Their pain and pleasure are synonymous where they come from. Um, and uh, he is trapped in hell, and his uh, lover moves into the house that he got taken away from. And that's the story of Hellraiser is is her finding uh, Julia finding a way to bring him back. And I just love- not chill ways. <laughs> you know? No, Julia is super evil. <laughs> Big she's, time. <laughs> she's just, she's she she too is terminally horny. Yeah. For for Frank. I love I'm not gonna lie though, I love the combination of of yeah, being just like 
unbelievably horny. And then, and then the use of the puzzle box, like it speaks to, it speaks to different parts of me. It's like, it's like the combination of being so horny and so nerdy at the same time, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. like this little weird box thing that like, that will, yeah, release all of the pain and pleasure of the universe. Like what? <laughs> like oh, that's. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. And I love how simple it is. The puzzle box. It's just like you solve the puzzle. You get the reward. The the rules of the universe are that clear. And they're like, if you don't want the reward, that's not part of the rules. You you would get the reward uh, if you solve the puzzle box, which I thought, I mean, we'll bounce back and forth because I feel like the reboot in the first one, like start their own mythologies a little bit using similar things. The puzzle box in the reboot was a little more intricate there were like six uh configurations the box it wasn't just one box um so you solve one it turns into another configuration and you can feed it six times before you get to the last one and then you get an audience with this god and you can make a request and the request can be one of six things uh, based on the configurations but i say all that that it also incorporates this uh little blade in the box when you solve it Mm -hmm. it will cut you or or somebody the blade will come out and, and and any blood given to the blade that's who gets the punishment and so it's not just who solves it you can like kind of game it a little bit and sacrifice somebody which i thought was uh which was a fun twist to to this the, the rules of hellraiser that was a fun um little deal puzzle box dude man don't <laughs> solve things you don't know that's yeah good. the that's lament the yeah i honestly i i thought that just like yeah from watching the first one i i thought like like thematically I understood so much of, you know, what the movie was saying and what it, like, you know, the, the themes it was playing with. I just, I thought the puzzle box was such an interesting addition. It, it, it like, it seemed kind of out of left field, but it was just like a fun way to like weave together these ideas, I guess, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, cause it was just like, oh, there's this weird box that does all this, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's like, something too that, cause they're kind of like a little tricked into it in the yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause there's like an allure to the box that they get into kind of a trance and then solve it, which like, you know. It does feel like a very, like, it feels occulty. It feels like an occult object. It feels, you know, like, yeah. um, like, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I, I thought that was like an interesting avenue into this world. Yeah, I wonder if um, puzzle boxes were just like all the rage, like in the eighties, or yeah, you know, like, I could like, totally I, see that. I, yeah. I bet it was just like a nerdy thing that people were into at the time, and it was like, oh, it'll be a puzzle box, and and then that like aspect of it has stayed with like the rest of all of the films. Um, you know, I I think that like for me, the thing that I love the most is for me, like the first two movies, I feel talk to each other and they really stick with, with the concept of the Cenobites as these uh, sort of like these shepherds of the box or something. Like they Mm -hmm. just kind of uh, do like their, because they're also the Cenobites are are like slaves, you know, they're just kind of carrying out this duty that they have that they're like bound to. Right. Um, and, and then it's, I haven't really watched like pretty much like three through, 
I saw the newest one. Um, a lot of the Hellraiser movies are real stinkers. That yeah, there I, was like, a while that they were tried like tried to watch, but yeah. I think I read somewhere that it was like for for like a decade, but they would just pick up horror movie scripts and then type in and just put in Cenobites into them. Yes. And then that yes. God. And then so yes. then they could use the Hellraiser name and then they had already a script. So they just so a lot of them are just like nonsense, but Yes, they really are. And like you can tell. And what ended up happening with at least the character of Pinhead, who, you know, we call him Pinhead, but I think he's supposed to be like the priest or the he's high the priest. priest. Yeah. The hell priest. Um, Pinhead becomes like a slasher. Like Pinhead becomes like a murderer murderer, like a like a leather face or like mm-hmm. a, a Jason or, or something that like that. Perfect sense because I think young young Corey who hadn't seen the movies but was always very into horror, so like was connected to like the images of Pinhead and stuff. That's always what I assumed he was. Like, like when I was younger, I assumed he was just like a slasher character. Oh, he's just he's an astronaut in the fields of pleasure and pain, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He just um, has sights cooler. to show you. He has such That's sights way to show cooler, you. dude. He opened the box and I came. It's as simple as that. Like yeah. I love that cosmic simplicity with the Cenobites. They're like, yeah, I mean, everything that comes after this can't be helped. I'm sorry, you opened the I'm box. Sorry. You know, like. <laughs> but this week I read the Hellbound Heart leading up to this, just real quick. Um, and I was there were some fun discoveries, and one was uh, the Pinhead is first of all no one he does not name him pinhead he was just he's just one of the member one of the centipites in the room and also he not the main character at all he think i think pinhead has, has like one line uh just in the background it's just the most memorable uh of the centipites because as clive is describing pinhead it, it, there's all like the they're not nails they're like jeweled pins that are in his head and mm-hmm. uh his sex is not clear the, the all you know is that the voice sounds like a woman. That's all it says. So like it's an androgynous character. So which right. was also kind of fun about the new um, reboot was like kind of closer to the book than what Pinhead actually turned out to be. Yeah, that was definitely something I thought while watching it for the first time, too, because like that image of Pinhead is so iconic, you know, and like and even in the movie, I felt like that character was like most of the movie, like you're not really dealing with that character at no. all. Like, right. Yeah. You almost are like, where are the Cenobites? Yeah. Like, where's the guy with the nails? Like, what? yeah, <laughs> I think that's the genius of it, too, though, that like they're there because when they do come, you realize like I, I love the transitions to this hell dimension and all the movies because it's just like a wall will move like it was mm-hmm. there the whole time that they they live in this hell universe on top of ours and that at any point they could just come on through <laughs> yank you away in chains and that's it mm-hmm. um, which i still hold i think this has come up before but of any of the horror icons to be whisked away uh the this set of bites are the ones i would least enjoy that I, I would like i'll take anybody else except that like i'll take you know, except maybe Freddy. I think Freddy and and a Cenobite. I think they're playing with a similar toolbox. But I don't know, man. That's just internal suffering. I, I, I no thanks. <laughs> I feel like too, just like I don't know, as something that very much stuck out to me, and I think connects back to our whole like why growing up Catholic makes you spooky series. Mm-hmm. Uh, how we have this very clear, I think, in a, intersection of themes of yeah, like dealing with things like 
like pain and pleasure, uh, you know, BDSM type stuff. And, 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 and then there's, there's, there's religious rhetoric going on oh, um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, specifically, uh, you know, it's, it's a super like iconic line, but having just watched the movie, I literally like was watching it and I was just watching it by myself. And I swear to God, I said out loud, I was like, Oh, cause it was like such a good line at the very end um, where Frank is like, where the Cenobites like get him and he's like, Jesus wept. Yeah, I had that on a shirt. (laughs) Oh, it fucking hit, dude! I was like, that was that like almost made the movie for me. I was like, that was so fucking good. Like, what a hard line! And then that line is so hard. I love it. And and to make it even harder, I just I just looked it up. It was it was fucking improvised. That was an improvised line. (laughs) He was supposed to say like "fuck you" or something. Oh, are you? Do you guys curse on this podcast? Too much. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he was supposed to say fuck you and then I don't know, like the actor had this like other idea and he said Jesus wept and that has become like the iconic line cuz it's like this really petulant thing to say cuz I actually looked into like what does that even mean? Um or well, Corey, are you going there with this? No, no, go for it, please. I I really just wanted to express like the experience of hearing it for the first time because like I enjoyed the whole movie but that was the only moment in the movie that I kind of like had that like oh like hell yeah like moment you know that you get sometimes like where it's just like that was fucking brilliant like that was the feeling I got from that line so yeah please whatever whatever research you have on it oh it's just that like uh he says it in this like really petulant way because like the the line jesus wept is from the bible and it's like he it's from the king james version of the bible um and it's just like uh jesus like feels the pain of humanity it's his ability to sympathize with like the pain of uh just all of the sinners and and what have you and it's like jesus wept like because the question of like does god even care when bad things happen it's like well you know jesus wept for humanity and then like so for when when frank says it it's he's like ridiculing that phrase comparing like jesus feeling the pain of humanity and like it would cause the son of god to weep um to like frank experiencing that same pain by being ripped apart but he's just like loving it and so basically jesus is like a wimp like compared to himself which i think also lends to a really interesting kind of overlay uh and nuanced approach to the bigger theme of uh finding pleasure and pain right like now looking at it at on on big levels right because yeah obviously frank is undeniably a piece of shit like you know no no reason to uh to like try and martyr him as a character but also his exploration of like pain and pleasure like there's another really good line in the movie where about like seeking out the edges of experience or something Mm -hmm. like that um and then to 
kind of have him in this moment then elicit the image of Jesus Christ experiencing all the suffer of humanity. There's a lot going on there. Pain, pleasure, love, hate. Like it's kind of, it's, that's a brilliant fucking line. Like it's a brilliant moment that like that moment in the film, like really tied it together for me. Cause he's just, yeah, he's being fucking ripped apart uh, very much, uh, you know, in a kind of crucifix style way. So you have him like juxtaposed with the character of Jesus in a way that makes you think. <laughs> like, it makes you go, huh? <laughs> Wonder what that means. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's also a shot that speaking of the Jesus allegory at like the last shot. Sorry to spoil this, Corey, but the, the last shot of the reboot, you see a cenobite being created and it's on this slab. And as the slab, you know, thing being ripped apart and all the old they're getting creative with it you know making a little centibite mm-hmm. and the arms come up on the slab and it's like backlit and it's just a total like crucifixion metaphor of totally like, be, like transcending this body into something enlightened and becoming a centibite and like and i saw it i don't know i saw it when it first maybe came out Jesus and i think i had a centibite. maybe he might be <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's, that's what, maybe. yeah, like, cause, cause then it also raises questions. Like, I love that you were the, used the word enlightened because it does re- raise questions about like what exactly is enlightenment and like spiritual enlightenment and spiritual experience versus human experience and like hedonism and like right. explorations of suffering and pleasure, like all huge, massive ideas kind of being thrown in a pot together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Clive Barker even though I guess he's been uh, quoted in interviews as saying that he like doesn't consider himself Christian, like pulls from the Bible and Christian/Catholic themes heavily, obviously. Um and like even the term like cenobite, like a cenobite is a member of a religious order. Like that's just what that word means. It's not even just like like that word it's like old french or something and it's for um being basically a monk like who belongs to like a a very sort of like monastic you know very serious community um and so in the hellraiser franchise they're just they're like this masochistic religious community and and you know the hell priest it's like pinheads like the leader of these uh you know members of this order and and i i I think it's all very tied to christian catholic themes 100 percent, yeah because it's really like flipping the you know yeah i guess um monastic narrative right of like celibacy and and things but then like we're gonna make a really horny movie that like Mm. (laughs) yeah that is like exploring it with that same fervor you know like that same like intensity of like taking a vow of celibacy but like the other direction like yeah super far in the other direction yeah (laughs) i read this really, really interesting take on how um, Hellraiser is inherently a queer horror film. And I thought that was super interesting. And um, looking into, like, the character of 
hell priest in the hellbound heart is this like androgynous uh character that's never described as male or female Mm -hmm. um and then like in the newest iteration of hellraiser um hell priest is actually uh, a trans woman the actress is Mm -hmm. a, a trans woman and uh i just thought that like there's so many intersections of like queer kink imagery and queerness and the like representation of like the bdsm community in like things like hellraiser and and, like the whole franchise obviously it kind of devolves from there like clive barker um has said straight up like oh yeah like i i took inspiration from leather kink culture um but then yeah i think the queer community is a little bit divided on how they feel about that like is it demonizing uh kink culture or is it like representation i think it's a little bit of both (laughs) i agree the hell priests are loving it like (laughs) i agree i like so my main um i guess i would say like critique of it from uh from a place of yeah i guess you know um not wanting to demonize the like bdsm community and stuff is that while i think while i think he was coming at it from a place of really like yeah being inspired by it exploring it like i said that i really like that line about like the edges of experience and stuff like like it seemed like he uh was trying to represent it in an interesting way and using and it but like doing it through the lens of horror makes it more complicated because the one thing like the main thought I had was like when the actual like horror stuff is going on you know like when uh like uh you know anything murderous or like uh, any of the moments with the daughter and stuff it it is no longer uh, respectful of the BDSM community because it is removing consent, you know, it's like yeah. it into this uh, more horrific kind of uh, violent act um, than what it is in real life. Uh, because anyone who practices, you know, kink and BDSM in real life, like consent is deeply, deeply important. <laughs> yeah. It's like, holy I'm really glad that you brought up consent because I was thinking about Hellraiser 2. And so like in the first movie, there's this sort of, there's this like, uh, like a feeling of like, well, you got what you asked for. Like if you grab the puzzle box and start messing with it, right? Like they will come and, and give you like your, your just deserved. But in Hellraiser 2, I don't know if you remember Brian, but there's like that, um, there's like that girl that's it lived like living with the the doctor like in his office or something or he has like this patient who's like mute and oh, yeah. um yeah. just kind of like very like you can tell something's up with her like she's she doesn't speak and she seems like a little you know um I don't know what the word is. She's just there's there's obviously something going on with her where like she is a little bit innocent, doesn't know what what's going on, and she picks up the box and the Cenobites come out, 
and they they're like well she didn't know what she was doing and they don't torture her you know because they're like well no she doesn't understand what this is about right yeah and i thought that was kind of interesting it was almost like um they were correcting um for that lack of consent in the first movie i don't know that's how i read that yeah i mean i think you're right i think that's probably what the producers were doing i think that like i don't know i still i i think that's that's the scary kind of thing i love always i said it already but like that super simplistic like uh, code that these the order of the gash fall that like follow that mm-hmm. in the hellbound heart there's this line where christy opens the box uh when she's the uh i guess our protagonist in in the novel and um is she named christy in the movie too yeah yeah, yeah? okay um i know that the dad's name's different so it's not it's rory in the book and i think it's like larry in the movie oh um, yeah yeah um but christy when she opens the box she's like i didn't mean to and and the hell priest says i think i've had the book open i'd bring it but the, the line was like ignorance oh i'm sorry it can't be helped <laughs> you know that like oh you called us without not knowing what i was gonna do but it's i feel bad but here i am you know like um, yeah and that seems to align very much with the more like religious aspect of things right like mm-hmm. in like super I don't know, like uh, dogmatic religions. It's like there isn't a lot of wiggle room for if you fuck up. Like it's like it's like this. These are the rules, you know. So like it does does kind of follow that idea. And the rules change, and that was the eighties. And like you know, like there are other rules that get introduced and broken as the series goes on. That's that gets pretty wild. Um, Like you get like the origin of all the set of bites and like i'm not usually a fan of getting too much story backstory of like explaining too much like mm-hmm. uh, like in later sequels we learned that pinhead was a world war one soldier that um oh just, yeah <laughs> you know he just um, got too horny when he was in the war which was, oh. I guess is an interesting like topic that he saw like such horrors of the world that he needed like the 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 like the horniest something to like recompense it, you know, that like um so I mean there's all these really interesting pathways into talking about different forms of human suffering and like its foil and how what a order of interdimensional hell priests that worship it would see it as, whereas where we would see it as. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's interesting. And I love that I, I'll keep going back to the reboot because we keep going back and forth because the reboot doesn't fit with any of the other ones. It's just, it kind of started over, reused a lot of same stuff, but introduced new stuff. But each of the configurations is a different, uh, form of suffering. Um, and when you get to speak to God, you get to pick which one that's, that's your like reward. Um, and the first one is the lament configuration. And the lament configuration is at the end, you're like, I, I want life. I don't, I want none of this. Uh, that's your reward is you get to live the rest of your life knowing all of this was pointless, that you opened the box, everybody died around you, that you went through this and you just get to live with like knowing that it was all for nothing and, um, uh, and that you get to like sit knowing that you turned down something else and you know, never know what you turned down. And like, that's the suffering. Um, but like, I, which I, I love in this this series that it's it is so bleak, you know, it is all about 
the, the depths of human suffering and pleasure and all mixed together. And that even, even getting out is not a win, you know, when dealing with the Cenobites. Um, hell yeah. Hellraiser, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. You can't beat the Cenobites. They're always going to find a way to like twist it around and make it fun for them. You know, like this, <laughs> like the dude in, uh, in Hellbound and the, the reboot. He got to the end and he was like this like Massachusetts just like billionaire that was really horny and he re- he wanted sensation was the configuration and yeah so what they gave him was a contraption in his chest Aww. that his nerves run through that will give him endless agony he'll never he'll never stop feeling pain because when it does the the contraption will just like put his nerves through a loom and like uh, oh, yeah. I that looks, I know, that is sensation. Yeah, I think they're in a in a like a cosmic sense uh, of the creativity of the Cenobites. I think there's like some like pleasure of, from the movies too. That like, like I just they get real creative. You know, I'm, <laughs> they're so talented. <laughs> Everyone's so talented. <laughs> I see Everybody's a different so creative. And I'm like, I would have never <laughs> thought to have done it that way, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think just the concept from it just lends itself to like just just going wild in a lot of directions, and that in itself makes it super interesting to go back to like what we were saying before about how like my like younger. A horror fan brain that had never seen this movie just assumed that like Pinhead was some kind of a murderous slasher and like this movie is doing is going a million different directions than that like you know it's doing something way more than that um just kind of shows like just points to how like how complex this narrative really is and like all the like intense ideas it was exploring in different ways and yeah you know maybe it didn't it didn't uh wrap them all up real cleanly but like (laughs) but like like it's definitely um I don't know it's it's yeah it's it's I think more creative and more interesting than a lot of classic slashers and I love I love a classic slasher that's not to like downplay that at all but it it just was uh i don't know it feels very its own thing yeah which is always gonna impress me you know yeah yeah Yeah, Um, and i'm I'm glad that we talked about this to Corey from like a like a bringing up like the catholic like sort of sensibility with pain and pleasure because i think that's probably why this movie has spoken to me so deeply of like all the horror franchises like i always get excited for a hellraiser movie and i think it's just because i think i just like to see like chains and and whips and and chains and whips excite me yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like as you and i have i know we've had this conversation i think we've definitely had it like on air on like our history babes but like many yeah. times Growing up like a a little Catholic kid who's like horny and confused about it, and then you walk into church and there's a hot guy, yeah, side on a cross, and he's like the hottest guy. Like he's hot. I know he's got like long, beautiful hair, and he's wearing a (laughs) loincloth. 
he's wearing exactly it's like why'd they make him so physically like attractive and then they're like no don't <laughs> it's like what is happening <laughs> yeah he's like naked like he's naked and he's you know. and like and it's hot like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the thing that i think some sometimes gets lost in the sequels and, and a lot of hellraiser and especially at first glance is there's beauty to it too like you're saying there's like there's so much like horror and pain but there's like and that's what makes it uncomfortable is there's beauty and pleasure mixed in like i loved in the book when they introduced the cenobites first came um and the description in the book was like the air smelt of like what did it say? There was a stench in the air of meat, like meat mixed with vanilla and flowers. Like, and it was like repulsive, but kind of exciting. Like, and that's mm. how it was described that, that like, I'd never thought what they smell like, you know, yeah. but, <laughs> but yeah, that, that it's the same. It's at the same time uh, as a stench, but also like kind of, kind of nice, you know, that I, I love when this, when, when the designs and the Cenobites and like the, the kind of story leans into that, that like, that there's a there's like a shot in hellbound um hellraiser 2 where christy's just like just like lost in hell when running there through the labyrinth and she passes by uh just a couple that they're in you know in the middle of uh carnal embrace literally they're like holding each other um and as they're having carnal embrace there's like chains on their back so like they're in the, the you see like the pleasure within this horrible place while mm-hmm. they're in this like horrible situation. And that's like, that's where the, like, I feel like the real achiness of this comes out. And <laughs> like the Catholic reader going in going, Oh my God. You know, <laughs> the the Catholic readers going into it being like, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, yeah. So nice looks, looks good to me. Uh, do you, up to code here, you know, <laughs> do you remember the Hellraiser movie where they're in space? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Hellraiser in Space. Uh, you got to watch it. No, it's not called Hellraiser in Space. It goes it's- <laughs> back and forth, not just in the future in space, but uh, back in like the 1700s the- France. Yes, it's really fun. And the um, the that movie has the Cenobite Angelique, mm-hmm. who um, when I was a kid, there was a, um, God, what was the name of, it was in the mall, Suncoast. I think was what the film store was called. And they had like, um, they sold VHSs and uh, there were like also all these horror figurines, like these like really elaborate, um, like they had like the dog from the thing and like all of these like cool collectibles. And they had this like, little figurine of angelique and i used to just like lust over it and i wanted to buy it so bad and it was like no <laughs> because that's, that's no. the thing with angelique is she's just like she's, she's just like hot. Really hot she's really hot but yeah except for that bit where like her skull is being ripped open <laughs> no i like it but like it's other good. than that you know <laughs> like, hey, um just a little bit of a tangent. I think we should do an episode, Brian, where we dive into the need for horror franchises to have an ep- like have one movie in space. Yeah. Like so- yes, yes, yeah. yes. Every time, space. Yeah. Like which ones that we, we did we it too. Chasing in space. 
There was there a Muppets was, in Space, too. Muppets in Space. <laughs> just, you're stuck in horror or just any franchise? Well, horror plus the Muppets, because I okay. love them. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll add the Muppets in there. Yeah, because we got Jason. We got... Did Freddy ever go to space? Uh, yeah. Leprechaun went to space, Leprechaun right? went to space. Yeah. Did Freddy go to space? He uh, had to have gone to space. I'm <laughs> sure he went to space. I want to see Ghostface go to space. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to see Ghostface go to a uh, White Lotus. That's what I want. Oh my oh god! god. <laughs> that would be incredible—a scream White Lotus crossover. <laughs> oh man, could we get Hellraiser White Lotus? Because that would work great. I think that would work great. You know, yeah. oh my god, I think so too. We're actually dealing with a lot of same themes. Like White Lotus deals a lot with like hedonism and consumption, and like. <laughs> <laughs> Like pleasure, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't think Freddie's been to space. Also, Leatherface has not been to space. Oh well, Michael hasn't been to space. Really? That's Michael's surprising. Been to, Michael's been Michael's been in either uh, Southern California in all its iterations. Always Haddonfield, <laughs> but it's Southern California. And <laughs> all its uh, has Ernest gone to space? Oh, Ernest has gone to space. Because <laughs> <laughs> to me, I watched all the Ernest movies growing up, but those classify as horror. Like Ernest freaked me out so much. <laughs> like everything about him was freaky. I also Ernest. Loved yeah. <laughs> what? He freaked me out. He was just weird. Like he was weird in a creepy way. <laughs> I've never Not... seen an Ernest movie. I just always they, I think those VHS covers were too scary. Exactly, right? I don't need whatever's going on here. Come on, uh, that guy? You're telling me that guy's not yeah. creepy? Like... No. Oh, yeah, I guess the... <laughs> I guess I see what you're... <laughs> looks at one photo. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Speaking of in space and bringing it back to the... Because that's that movie. Bloodlines is what it was called. Um, yes. It uh, gave the origin of the Lament configuration, the box, um, and it was made by a toy maker uh, in France who mm-hmm. was like a big old oopsie after he made it and tried to make a, an antidote box and didn't didn't quite get it <laughs> done. Um, but his bloodline was cursed all the time. And so the movie then is uh, bookmarked to the space station where the last yeah. bloodline is still being chased by the Cenobites. I don't believe, sorry, I I just don't believe that that man made that box by mistake. <laughs> well, he like, he Pop like, <laughs> was it, I, I have to rewatch it. I've only seen it once, but he had like a book of like occult stuff that he was infusing into it. Mm. He was playing with stuff he didn't understand. Yeah, like, yeah, good, yeah. You know, making it, making his own little. Uh, I love you know. how horror movies though, like, I feel like this is a good example. Um, the the we're just gonna throw in like oh yeah he like made this box because because of a cult and like there's and that's it you just have to like say that one word and then it's like oh it must be messed up (laughs) like he read the book he wasn't supposed to yeah and now it's all over like that's just like it's such a simple way to like uh explain away the horrors you know (laughs) I love how <laughs> how earnest all the Cenobites are too. They're just so excited to share, you know, that like 
we might not be ready, but they, it's not their fault, you know, that they, they got pocket dialed, you know, that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Seriously. Pocket dialed. That's so funny. The Cenobites. <laughs> you called, in... I came like this is, that's how this goes. But I do, man. That's my deal. The Cenobites in Bloodline are so funny. There's like dog Cenobite. There's that like, um, uh, the one that's, it's like, like two faces like their faces are kind of like oh yeah like, they're like yeah like all <laughs> twisted like together twisty yeah. together and then there's angelique who we have established as hot um and then i don't remember which movie had the cd set by <laughs> do you remember that I one think that was the third one wasn't it Hell, oh, where, yeah yeah or we uh, had like the the block party like the brawl where they're running yes. in the streets yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they get really creative um oh boy ah oh, yeah that's what i love i love the creativity you're so talented you know? oh he's just called cd <laughs> <laughs> and it. his his head is uh his head is, has like cds coming out of it <laughs> yep i was at uh speaking of technology box, baby <laughs> box. i went to this horror trivia a little while ago and one of the the prizes was like a toy lament configuration I didn't oh, want it. I, yeah. I, I didn't win, so I wasn't tempted, but <laughs> like I didn't. You were like, I don't even want that. I, I lost on purpose. You know? <laughs> Just Iggy. I don't want mm-hmm. that. No. Okay. Of all the Cenobites we've been talking about, who's our favorite? Do we, you, Angelique might be yours. Yeah. I mean, I just think she's hot, but you know, I don't want to diminish female Cenobite. Mm-hmm. She has a. Uh, a like kind your, like, of neck opened up yeah it's kind of like the neck is giving vagina like 100%. for sure yeah. yeah um i i really like female cenobite and like obviously angelique is hot but female cenobite is like really sinister so i like her okay okay Corey, do you have a favorite cenobite uh, from the first movie of the four do you have a favorite yeah, that's a hard question because I feel like I feel like y'all are are more well versed in the in the Cenobites. <laughs> um, so the first you got the uh, female Cenobite. You got the yeah. Chatterer. The, Chatterer. Uh, oh yeah, I did face uh, all like yeah I stretched really, over. I really liked female Cenobite. I will say, and I do really like Pinhead. Like classic, you know. Like I, I, like I love the whole vibe. So I would say probably. Maybe the combo of the two, you got Pinhead and then you've got the 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 female Cenobite. Like their whole vibe was was solid, I thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There is just something. And once again, it's probably, you know, it's just an image that's been ingrained in my mind since I was young. But yeah, that just the nails all all in the in the head. It just mm-hmm. like, yeah, it just it's uh it's. It's a it's a powerful image like that yeah, uh, yeah. that figure for sure. <laughs> and also, I love. I mean, as we know, I'm like very attached to cult leaders. Religious leaders are pretty similar, so like <laughs> I think I there's like there's a little bit of a connection there as well. Yeah, I like. Um, I also love Pinhead. I I really liked. I. I seeing the reboot the first time it came out i was like i enjoyed that and i watched it again today coming up to this episode i was like i really like this movie and i love that pinhead in that one it's like like push pins little with pearl ends so it's like yeah really it's a bunch of like um and there's one t- 
taking scene, uh, murder scene where, where Pinhead takes one of the pins out of her head and puts it through like the neck of someone mm-hmm. that she's got. And like that's that still haunts me. That is such a fucking gruesome scene. Yeah, she puts like the push pin like through the neck as this person is screaming and the camera goes inside her throat and you see like the vocal cords like frying as the pins going through. And that was like like uh, like I going into this new, you know, Hellraiser, I was like, you got to show me something shocking is Hellraiser. And that scene, I wasn't expecting to get that. And so simple. That's so like, oh, God, that is (laughs) visceral, very visceral, you know, um. Yeah, which goes back to they're so creative. They could <laughs> they could just make you explode or do something, but no, just one push pin is so much worse, you know? I feel like the name of this episode should be Hellraiser. Everybody's so creative. <laughs> <laughs> so creative. Seriously, I like it. I also like the the hell the Cenobite that's just called Butterball. I just like oh yeah, Butterball. Butterball. Great <laughs> <Free> name. <laughs> <laughs> What was the name of the Cenobite that is, I believe, in Hellraiser 2 that comes out of, like, the hallway? And it's just, like, that big, crazy-looking monster, like... The Engineer, I think. is The Engineer, yes. Ah, that used to just freak me the fuck out. It was, reading the book, the Engineer pops up at the very end. Also, like, spooky in the book when they're introducing the Cenobites, they're here. Like the five of us come and there are only four in the room. And Chrissy's like five, where's the last one. And the pinhead or whoever was speaking at it was, it was another Cenobite, but they were like, the engineer will come if he's needed. And I'm like, Oh, oh God, I hate that line. Like what, who's the engineer? Like, <laughs> what? Why would he be needed? You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, what do we need him for? <laughs> right. <laughs> And he does pop up at the end and how it's described in the book is like, uh, it's, it's wearing Julia's wedding dress and it has like a, like a face that is just like a light that you can't see. It's not what I was described. What was we see in the, in the second movie? No, um, it was more like an abstract thing. Like um, a, like a upside down. He looks like, um, like a scorpion with, yeah, like the 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 face on the bottom, and then like this weird tail, but then like arms at the top. I don't know. Very strange. He's a very good boy. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else to say about Hellraiser? We've we've been diving into a bunch. I have only read the first book. I haven't read the second book, The Scarlet Gospels. Oh, has also been that's a novel novel length sequel to the Hellbound Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a short story, Hellraiser: The Toll. Um, that was written by someone other than Clive Barker. Interesting. Yeah, I really got to read this book. So yeah, if y'all end up making it um a book club pick, let me know because I would love to get in on that. Okay, maybe that sounds fun. Maybe like a January because usually December we do something Christmas related. Yeah, nice. And we got November's already picked. Yeah, Um, maybe January. Maybe January. Feels like a good. If that feels like a January vibe, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bringing in the new year with <laughs> hell priest and good cheer. Nice, yeah. I'm a big fan. Well, uh, any final thoughts on Hellraiser? Uh, would you ever uh, solve the limit configuration? Would you <laughs> uh, enjoy the such sights they would show you? <laughs> you know, I. 
I, I think I'm a, a, ba- a big baby. I don't, I, I think I talk a big game, but I, I hurt my neck just sleeping last night and I've been like complaining all day. So you don't think you would be up for endless exquisite torture? You don't think <laughs> <laughs> if there were levels, maybe like if I could like get in at like level one, maybe, you know, like I just don't want to go all in. Like I need yeah. like introductory course, you know, like, yeah, I guess I see what, no, I've seen enough. Uh, it's a no for me. That's a, <laughs> in any iteration. I, there's a, it's related in a, in a subjecting yourself to torture way, but there is a new documentary on Hulu called uh, Monster Inside, all about the McCamey Manor. I didn't bring that up. I just watched it. Did too. you watch it? I, uh, I don't know. What'd you think? <laughs> um, what did I think? I mean, I think he's a sociopath. Yeah. Okay. I think this is where I'm at. I think he's a total creep. Like, absolutely. Yeah. This dude yeah, fucking yeah. sucks. I also. So, I also remember in college watching these videos on YouTube and also being like, uh, no, I won't do that. You know? So, um, okay. So yeah, this, this documentary is, it's very good. I really liked it. The monster inside. It's about the whole McCamey Manor thing. And I know a lot of people, like you said, get like, they get into internet rabbit holes about it and then they get really excited about it and stuff. What I loved about this documentary is it was exposing him as mm-hmm. kind of the, scary piece of shit that he is you know totally. and like, and making it very clear that he did a lot of damage to people and like that's not okay and i think he's a fucking sociopath and i loved that at the end of it they showed examples of extreme horror experiences that you can be a part of that are not what he does like yeah. they're extreme they're in they're crazy they're like you're actually having pain inflicted on you but also in those experiences the people who are running them are constantly checking in with you there is yeah. a very clear safe word you will never be like in a situation where you are unable to use that safe word like your mouth will never be totally. taped over. and they're like every time they're like hitting a new level like the people who are running it are checking in with you and making sure you want to keep going and it's very you have the control and not even saying i want to do that but i hearing the people that seek out those experiences i do think that that can be a very good and healthy thing yeah done Mm -hmm. well and i it the feeling i got from the interviews with the people that run some of those other experiences, they are just, they're just adrenaline junkies that want to create an experience that is on the edges of experience that like can give people the high they need. Because a lot of those people are people that are like war vets and like people that like literally need these like big adrenaline like experiences that involve pain to yeah. feel okay. And I think there should be space for that. And I actually think that's a very beautiful thing. I don't think that's what McCamey Manor is. I think McCamey Manor is a fantasy of a sociopath. Like I, I think they're agree. different. I fully agree. I'm saying, I mean, like the 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 damage that McCamey Manor did to haunts for it was can't be overstated. Yeah, like yeah. really Fuck. fucked like, like <laughs> really ruined so many of these other haunts that are doing like what you exactly said um these experiences without you know permanently giving you psychological damage um but like also like i think this is this is maybe where i struggled a bit watching was like i remember watching these videos of because he films every 
one of his things and he puts it on and that's his like ad is like you could go through this and they're like i remember seeing standing around in college watching these videos going like what the fuck like this is horrible how does he get away with it and like why you know like because they signed a 40 page waiver that that does say that they will do all this stuff and so i don't think he i think he's a creep i think he's awful i don't know why that didn't get shut down right away like there's because there's no oversight i guess but that's also like well that's also what i loved in the documentary too though how they had that um that lawyer who works she works specifically with like torture victims from like guantanamo bay like she works in like torture law essentially and they interviewed her and she was like i know a lot of these people feel like because they signed this waiver they don't have like legal recourse but they actually do and they actually should pursue this and i think that's why i think that's why he got away with it for so long everyone thought because they signed a 40 page waiver they had no legal recourse but they do because because uh, fundamentally he was removing their consent during the activity fundamentally like he was putting them through psychological torture which automatically means they cannot give consent Uh like these people have legal recourse. It's just no one thought that they did. And so I'm hoping we start to see people suing his ass and like actually do it. Cause like it was not really legal what he was doing, but right. yeah, yeah, he got away with it for a long time. So just like the Cenobites, we can now have, we thought we, we, we've solved the box and we came, they came. <laughs> so we, there's nothing we can do, but <laughs> there is actually and there is actually legal recourse yeah and it is it's such a complicated topic but i do think it's such a fascinating topic and um yeah because people like there's so much stigma against people that are are adrenaline junkies and do enjoy pain Mm -hmm. and that is not fundamentally a bad thing and it does not fundamentally make you bad or messed up yeah um but we 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 want things to be simple, you know? Uh, And yeah, I think things like this movie explore those ideas. Um, Things like the, as we discussed, like the kink community explore those ideas. And I think I'm glad you brought up McCabe Manor because it's actually such a perfect like intersection. I think those like extreme horror experiences are also exploring the same thing, you know? And I think, that those things should be allowed but yeah it all comes down to like you cannot take away a person's freedom during it that is torture that is that is trauma like that that's what that is you know like a person a person exploring pain for themselves always has to be doing it from their own accord or else it's fucked up like yeah you know yeah um, and that, yeah, and that's kind of, I guess, the complexities of the first Hellraiser. It's like, yeah, we're exploring these ideas and there's clear BDSM influence, but it's like, doesn't mean you get to torture people. <laughs> right. I'll go on record and say torture is bad. I'll say it, you know. <laughs> so, brave. Even, so brave. So <laughs> brave. And yes, even if you sign a waiver and even if you solve the lament configuration. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You should still have it out and a safe word. Yeah, <laughs> you know? as there should always be consent. I think yeah. that um, the lament configuration should have at least a forty-page uh, <laughs> right. They didn't even have waiver. That. You know, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. 
and let yeah. least that needs to happen. At least. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think yeah. ultimately um, to prevent future issues like the McCamey Manor, we just need to keep educating people about cult tactics. Like, I really think that that would just like solve so many of the world's problems. You're if so people, right. If people started to learn how to not be indoctrinated in this shit, like we would, I feel like that would be a really good thing to be like taught in schools. And I'm not even fucking joking. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tactics, how to do my taxes. Those are all things that yeah, we need a taxes class in high school, just basic financial literacy. Uh, yes. Also, um, just maybe like a, a class on like the linguistics of cults. So you like understand like just like a refresher on how to spell restaurant, you know, just yeah. like and like <laughs> things also, I wasn't ready for. <laughs> yeah. And I think that there also needs to be like a class if you want to buy like a house. This is just totally yeah, I'm going on a tangent, but like, I just can't even imagine how I'm supposed to know any of that shit. And how right. am I supposed to know about electrical and pipes and things? Do I look like some kind of plumber? <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I wish school was more useful. <laughs> a lot. There's All a right. lot. We could be it's a lot. There's a lot we could be focusing on. <laughs> well, I'm going to watch that tonight now the the mccain yeah yeah it's uh it's i mean it's gross you know it's Mm -hmm. kind of hard to watch yeah Yeah. oh really yeah yeah because it's just videos of torture you know like (laughs) that's the video you know damn yeah yeah but shit's fucked up shit's fucked up but i agree it also yeah like i love the haunt industry and i love and i also love the people that are on the edges of it but doing it humanely you know that's right that's right i support them (laughs) but the uh the order of the gash they are not doing it humanely they're not they're really not (laughs) also ill the order of the gash the gash i know right come on so i'm waiting for the full hbo documentary exposing them you know (laughs) to the bottom of their cult tactics and their (laughs) And their puzzle box schemes and their pyramid scheme gods, you know. <laughs> <laughs> their pyramid gods. <laughs> of the gash is an MLM. Is that hundred percent? Like- <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's a there's a really good documentary if you want to know more about Hellraiser. It's called Leviathan: The Story of Hellraiser and Hellbound Hellraiser Two. It's on Prime. Um, I am a documentary nerd so i will watch a documentary about my favorite movies all the time every time oh yeah check it out there's also um i mean where we just i don't even know why i should bring this up but but clive barker there was a (laughs) interview i read with him or heard from him on mick garris's podcast uh postmortem where he just interviews um horror icons and he talked about talked to clive barker and if i remember this right at a young age clive barker saw someone fall out of a plane whoa Um, and like now that's how we got clive barker you know that's (laughs) god damn i didn't know that that's crazy and and i I, why i said i shouldn't even bring it up because i just because without going back and listening to the episode i just tried to google the facts on that and couldn't find it but but uh google (laughs) did like autofill airplane story so it's out there you know okay clive barker wait so this was just 
a podcast about Clive Barker? Yeah, this is an inter- interview with Clive Barker and just talking about his career. Um, and and did uh, he say that he saw someone fall out of a plane? That's what he said in the interview with Mick Garrett. That's a that's a firsthand source, dude. That's like... there we go. Which I now now I got to go back because maybe he got some facts wrong. Maybe he saw a plane crash, but I feel like that that's a pretty distinct memory of hearing someone say he saw someone fall out of a plane. You know, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he um, maybe. Clive Barker did or did not fall see someone fall off a plane. All right. Regardless or irregardless, <laughs> which is now in the dictionary. Irregardless. Oh my god. Big fan, big fan of Hellraiser, Order of the Gash, Lament Configuration, and all its configurations. Um oh yeah. Good job, Cenobites. Keep it going. Uh, but with consent. And you know, work on work on that waiver. And, uh, you know, and I want a t-shirt that says, keep it going, but with consent. But with consent. Yeah. Yeah. I would wear that shirt. Love I would doing, But, you know. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, no word on any new Hellraiser movies coming out. Um, the, the Hulu Hellraiser has not gotten picked up for a sequel. So who knows? Who knows what's next? But... Yeah, I do want one. I think it'd be great. I loved, I loved Jamie Comer as, uh, or Jamie Clayton, that's her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, that played mm-hmm. Pinhead. I thought she was a great Pinhead. Yeah, she was amazing. Amazing. Well, uh, stick around. Maybe join us for the January book club, or you heard it here first. We might be reading Hellraiser or the Hellbound Heart. Yeah. Inspired Hellraiser. Corey, any final, final thoughts on these, uh, these scary pain boys? And their, <laughs> and their That's what they should rename it to. The, the scary pain boys. <laughs> <laughs> Freaky pain boys. <laughs> no, I I mean, yeah, I like I said, uh everyone's so creative. It's um it, <laughs> uh I yeah, I I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of things about it that I think are really brilliant. Um and yeah, I don't know, as a horror loving spooky catholic like of course i was going to be into this like <laughs> yeah yeah uh, not surprising to anyone how about you jen any final thoughts you know i could really go for another um like a sequel to the most recent hellraiser iteration um but go watch bloodline it's so goofy yeah um you get I, the full backstory on that box. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, consent is important, and you must always have consent before engaging in um the edges of experience, I think. Mm-hmm. Just that's just what I think. You know, I think that too. And and not <laughs> related consent too, like enthusiastic consent enthusiastic informed consent you have to know what's going to (laughs) happen if you open that box so love the message here (laughs) it's a good one yeah my last Uh, note uh before we go uh is i'm scrolling through this wikipedia seeing if we missed anything and we did miss that in 2016 there was a novel called sherlock holmes and the servants of hell that what? an authorized telling of uh, Sherlock Holmes encountering the Cenobites. So, wait, what? Where did you see that? <laughs> oh, I'll put it in the chat. Don't oh, yeah. I that. want to see that. 
I need to know what that's about. So I know what actually our book club. That's the next book club. (laughs) (laughs) Set in Clyde Barker's hell raising world. The premise after the death of his nemesis, Professor Moriarty, Holmes finds himself bored. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's uh, now I know where this is going. Yeah. Without someone with whom to match his wits, he stirs from his malaise when an interesting case presents itself. Lawrence Cotton's brother, Francis, has gone missing, and only his screams from behind a locked door and a clue to his whereabouts. Uh, Soon enough, the trail leads to Holmes to a particular puzzle box. Woo! I'm going to read this book. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Yeah, (laughs) this sounds pretty good, actually. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you, Jen, for joining us. Please come back anytime. Well, thank uh, you for having me. I love talking about pleasure and pain. So, Amen. <laughs> amen. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Corey, see you next time. Happy Harvest Story Show. And happy Halloween, everybody. This will be our Halloween episode. Best happy Halloween. Halloween 2K23. Oh, nice. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.